Yeah, so as the vehicle actually gets older, there's two things, right? One is the engine and the IC powertrain are getting more and more inefficient, thus causing more pollution as they get older because of wear and tear, etc., etc. Uh, but then you also have the question of structural integrity of the vehicle itself. What EMOS does really is very different from your typical combustion engines and we are kind of a one-stop shop for all things electric driveline for commercial vehicles. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Karan Shah, Director of EMOS, Future Inside. He joins us from Sholapur, India. Welcome, Karan. Thank you, Vidya. Nice to be on your podcast. So tell our listeners who have absolutely no background in automotive or any other kind of engineering, how does an engine actually work? Yeah, so a typical engine, a combustion engine, works on the simple principle that you have air and fuel that mixes at a certain temperature, generates power, and uh, that kind of moves the pistons and the cranks and the entire powertrain and generates the power to uh, drive your wheels really uh, and what happens in this process is that because of the combustion of fuel and air put together you obviously have exhausts and we have been talking about carbon emissions and particulate matters and nitrous oxides and things like that those are the byproducts of a typical engine so those would be the internal combustion yeah, engines. yeah, yeah. the, the that... normal engines that we are used to hearing about so the combustion, the energy source for these engines is, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the gasoline, yeah. which is triggered by the battery, right? No, so in, in the combustion engine, the, the fuel, which is gasoline or diesel or ethanol or any of the fossil fuels are heated up to a certain temperature and it ignites and the ignition causes the, the parts of the engine to move and that's what generates the power. So that's your traditional engine and what we are, what EMOS does really is very different from your typical combustion engines and we are kind of a one-stop shop for all things electric driveline for commercial vehicles and that's something that we have chosen to do uh, as the business model. How does the electric driveline work as compared to the ICE, the internal combustion engine? Yeah, so in the electric uh, vehicle or an electric driveline, there is no combustion, right? There is no fuel, there's no petrol, uh, gasoline or diesel or any of these uh, fuels. Uh, essentially, what you have is a battery pack on your vehicle, which discharges at a certain rate and runs a simple motor that's mounted onto your vehicle, which then drives the wheels. So you don't have the part of combustion does not exist in this vehicle anymore. Uh, whereas the batteries, uh, which are you the typical ones that you've heard of are the lithium ion batteries store energy as you charge them. And as you drive along, the batteries are discharging and powering your wheels. So I want to simplify it. It's like your fan running, your, your table fan running yeah. with electric power. Exactly, exactly. But instead, you have a battery which is giving energy to the motor, which is spinning and making your fan run. In this case, of course, it's far more complicated with hardware and software interface, yeah. which is making the car run. 
exactly exactly you're right so whereas your fan is running directly on electricity the only difference in a vehicle is that you use the electricity at home or at your office to charge your battery and the battery then delivers that energy to the vehicle to the motor you are based in india and emos is based in the netherlands right yeah so where are you operating are you working with vehicles in india or in europe no so let me give you a little bit of background on the business so emos is a company that has been around for the last 10 12 years or so uh, the company has actually been a pioneer in the space of electric mobility for over 10 years now and has had several vehicles several technologies several patents to its name uh, which is why it has a very reputable name in the industry at this point only 2 years ago did we as a business acquire this company because we wanted to have a footprint in the sustainable in the green development of the drive lines and vehicles and we wanted to have a foot uh, in this door and that's why we acquired the company so the company is very much based in the netherlands we as the parent company sit here in india but we have a great team over there who runs the day to day business who deals with the customers etc with our support but yeah i think that's kind of how it is most of the business is centric to europe to north america and also to some parts of australia and new zealand that's where we sell our products how many say you take india india has a lot of old cars how will i know that my car is eligible or is okay to be fitted with the new yeah. ev system would you call it electric yeah, what yeah. what do you call it like a drive line yeah but so look i think what we do is we deal we work especially in the commercial vehicle space now if you look at it from a sustainability point of view and from a uh, being green point of view the commercial vehicles are actually the ones that cause the most pollution you have your big trucks and your buses and your waste collection trucks and delivery buses uh, delivery trucks etc these are the gas guzzlers who are running on diesel or petrol and really creating a lot of that pollution so what we do is essentially provide an alternate to the customer who has these commercial vehicles to make them fully electric to have zero tailpipe emission as what we call it so, uh, you have zero carbon footprint coming out of your vehicle uh, and that's what we aim to do because these are the high carbon footprint kind of vehicles so if you have any vehicle really between say 5 tons of gross weight all the way to 50 tons of weight emos has the capability in house to convert these Uh, into fully electric by the means of retrofitting or what we also do is we we provide our electric drive line kits to the OEM which is the original equipment manufacturer of the vehicle and they assemble it onto the vehicle from day one so there's no retrofitting here but it's an electric vehicle from the start of its life which is even better how much is that extend the life of existing vehicle right so my gas guzzler because its engine life is ending and now i'm retrofitting it with your kit how much does that extend the life of the vehicle yeah so as the vehicle actually gets older there's two things right one is the engine and the ic powertrain are getting more and more inefficient thus causing more pollution as they get older because of wear and tear etc etc uh, but then you also have the question of structural integrity of the vehicle itself so what we typically do is once you have converted from ic engine to our electric drive line we say that we you can get more than 7 years of useful life on this vehicle that's pretty cool that's a, basically almost 
as much as a brand new vehicle, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because the commercial vehicles are used for five to seven years in most time. Exactly. So as an individual, do I have access to these kits or not possible? I mean, yes, you do, but it would be far too expensive to do one-off. If you had a bus or if you had a truck and you wanted to get, you know, one-off converted, it would be too expensive to do so. So talking about cost, so how much would it cost? Say I'm city bus and I have 100 buses in my fleet and I want to convert them to your drive. How does that work? I wish I could give you a perfect answer to this, but it really depends on a lot of factors. So it depends on how much range do you want to get out of it, right? Do you want to drive it 200 kilometers or only 50 kilometers on one charge? Uh, how much horsepower and torque do you want it to have? Is it air conditioned, not air conditioned? It's a, is it going to be driving in slopey areas or flat areas? So a lot of combinations and permutations really have to be worked out to do that. but. Give or take, if I have to give you a real ballpark, if a new bus costs $100,000, uh, then it's going to cost you about 1.3 to 1.6 times of that to convert it to electric. And a lot of that cost is typically coming from the battery pack, which is still, you know, the driving factor for the cost. Battery technology is changing rapidly, right? The Tesla is, is investing so much money and all that. So where do you make your batteries? And how do you have access to the technology which gives you reliable and uh, long uh, mileage, you know, a, a battery which gives you sufficient mileage to get you to your destination? So, like you said, right, there are big players in this market, uh, in the battery technology space and the battery manufacturing space, who are doing it at a really large scale. Uh, you do have Tesla, you have uh, the Korean giants, you have the Chinese giants. So, we as EMOS, as a small company, are not you know, outfitted or we don't have the ability to produce our own batteries. So therefore, we tie up with battery suppliers or manufacturers to buy batteries from them for our vehicles. What we do, though, uh, is that we engineer the batteries for the use of the vehicle. Imagine using uh, an electric vehicle in the cold Scandinavian part of the world, uh, whereas using it in the hot uh, Indian climate or the Australian climate, very, very different. So the way the software uh, is kind of built to run the battery system, which we would call BMS, battery management software or battery management system, is something that we develop in-house. Uh, the way the thermal management of this battery works is something that we develop in-house. So we do buy the, the individual batteries from a larger manufacturer, but we do all the integration in-house. So the software interface, because yeah. a lot of it is software in these cars right exactly. so yeah yeah so that's kind of the usp of our company what we do is we're we're not a manufacturer of any of the components actually if you think about it uh, in the electric drive line the the brains behind the company is how do you make this all work together and i think that's how do you purchase the right kind of technology how do you get the right kind of components make them mate together and work together seamlessly and provide the customer a, a great experience when he's using the vehicle. I think that's our selling point. But all this requires an infrastructure. You need the charging stations. And in America, charging stations are increasing rapidly. And, you know, your car will tell you the next charging station is so many miles away. And what about other countries? How about India and uh, Europe? 
So Europe is actually very, very good in terms of the charging infrastructure. I would say almost like the US or perhaps better in the more denser parts of uh, Europe. Uh, for example, in the Netherlands, in Germany, uh, in Sweden and Norway, the charging infrastructure is fantastic. So you don't have anxiety of range all the time. But unfortunately, that's not the same case in India. We have a great dream of electrifying vehicles in India, but the charging infrastructure that needs to go along with it is severely lacking at this point of time. Uh, and I think there are positive steps in that way. You have all of the larger infrastructure companies and oil companies investing into charging infrastructure in India, but it will take some time to get at par with the Western part of the world. So how much government involvement is required for the infrastructure and even giving you the environment to work with, right? To work in. I think there is a requirement of government push and government policy when it comes to electrification, right? Because at this point of time, EVs are certainly more expensive to buy upfront than normal vehicles. One has to do with scale, one has to do with technology, etc. But yeah, for sure, you do see a lot of subsidies coming in for EVs in the US. You see subsidies in Western Europe. Uh, and you also have some interesting policies in India also. It's called FAME, uh, Faster Adoption of electric mobility and I think it's, it's a step in the right direction where they're trying to say that as an end customer or as a corporate if you use electric vehicles you have certain subsidies uh, but in India right now it's limited to certain OEMs it's limited to certain sectors it doesn't really include a smaller companies like ours uh, and also doesn't include retrofitting it only talks about new vehicles, but I think it is an important play government policy get to push this through because early adoption will only happen if there is enough push. So why do they not offer it for retrofitting? Because in, in India, there are still very good mechanics. People yeah. keep their cars much longer than mm -hmm. other countries. Why would they not give you the incentive to take this vehicle and, you know, the old taxis that we have, which are being... Yeah discontinued, retrofitted yeah. and be used uh, sustainably and especially in a city like Bombay, which is not very big. It's yeah. tip to tip is probably 20 miles. So the range and the density can actually help it uh, develop in that area. Yeah, you're right. And I think that we have been we've been saying that retrofitting actually might be a good first entrant to the market because the Indian market is very, very nascent right now. There's no real ecosystem built for electric mobility and you have a few OEMs who are doing uh, buses for the government bodies and you have some OEMs doing passenger cars but I think retrofitting would be the nice first step for the end customer to take to really understand what electric vehicle or electric mobility is all about, how do usage patterns look like, how does charging actually work, do I really get the range that I expect, etc., etc. And end of the day, what you do with retrofitting is you're repurposing vehicles in a much better way, right? So it's kind of also decongesting cities. You're not adding new vehicles onto the roads. You're only taking out uh, vehicles and then putting back cleaner ones onto the road. So I think it's should be considered, but it is not part of the subsidy structure at this point of time. When electric vehicles were being introduced, and it's a rage right now, but about 10 years ago when there was all this talk about electric vehicles, one of the things which people were resistant to the introduction of electric vehicles was the fact that they're so quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, because if it comes right behind you, you really cannot hear. Yeah. So how have they 
tackle that issue because you do hear a sound now yeah no so we i've actually witnessed this myself i've sat in a big container truck Uh, which was made electric by our own company Emos in the Netherlands and I've sat in this vehicle which is carrying 50 tons of weight and we're driving down the road and you can't hear anything and so the for example the dutch government now says that if you have a big electric vehicle you got to put artificial sound into the vehicle so they actually put speakers and artificial noises into the vehicle to make sure that the people around know that there's something approaching yeah i read somewhere it's this electromagnetic activity which sends vibrations around the machine yeah <laughs> which actually uh, simulates the sound of an engine yeah exactly exactly and it was i mean you when you're driving down the road with 50 tons of weight on the back and you don't hear anything that can be scary for the person sitting inside and outside so right 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 so you're a boiler maker i'm a yeah. boiler maker too so when you were at purdue what did you study i studied mechanical engineering so the really core engineering which which i'm very grateful for because we it's so useful now that we have a manufacturing business doing different auto components in india and the electric drive lines in the netherlands and it kind of all helps right and then you went on to get a degree an mba at hbs harvard business school yeah how has your education shaped your decision making capacity as an entrepreneur so i think the mba at hbs was probably one of the most life changing experiences the two years there were really really life changing one is because you sit in class every day with 90 uh, students in the classroom and a professor and these are 90 of the smartest kids perhaps in the world right who are sitting with you and discussing cases every day all you do is discuss business cases uh, and at the end of the day you are talking about what you would do in that business case if you were that entrepreneur if you were the ceo of that company or if you were that decision maker and it perspective is something that i really learned a lot about in that in those two years right because you have people from so many different backgrounds sitting in that classroom whereas at purdue or even at my job after that at cummins we're all engineers we're all thinking along the same lines and sort of in a bubble where you go to business school then especially to something like hbs and you have kids who are lawyers and doctors and architects and business people and ex army people uh, so they're all bringing in different perspectives to that same business decision that you need to take at the end of the day there you are in a extremely stimulating environment which forces you to get out of your comfort zone and really explore things so i think it has helped me tremendously when i've come back to uh, my family business and being part of decision making and being on the board of a listed company in india it, it does help a lot i couldn't agree more with you because as you know i'm going through my exec mba right now at yeah. purdue too and and it's life changing the whole the case study methodology and meeting with people who do not think like you at all yeah so coming back to the technology so how about smaller vehicles like scooters and mopeds and in india the auto rickshaws mm-hmm. that could be easily retrofitted right Yeah and there are some very interesting companies in India who are working on not just retrofits but you have so many startups in India right now uh, which are being funded by the large venture cap guys and the uh, private equity guys even who are introducing brand new electric two wheelers or brand new electric three wheelers and it's it's a great place to be in right now 
where our space is a little bit different because we concentrate on these niche kind of heavy equipment and commercial vehicles. Uh, that's because we're, we're really good at this and we would like to keep focusing on this and the market is large enough for us to do that. But you're right. You're absolutely right. In a country like India, two-wheelers and three-wheelers will be hot cake when you know it's done correctly and sold at the right price because, it, as you know, it's super price-sensitive market. And in terms of the charging stations for your customers, do you set that up? No, we don't set them up, uh, but we do have charging partners that we work with who we can recommend to the customer and then they would tie up with them and help set that charging infrastructure up. In Europe or in the US, you have a lot of public charging stations now where the government has set it up or a large corporate has set it up and you can use the charging station as, you know, for a paper use right you pay for every unit of electricity that you use and it's great and you don't have that in india yet so we i think with enough with the ecosystem being built up that needs to come about right here even in many parking lots they have ev charging stations and then exactly i believe many of them are free yeah 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 you're right how many vehicles up to now has EMOS retrofitted, uh, either retrofitted or... Yeah, or new ones or kits, yeah. New ones, yes, yes, new kits. So, yeah, we've, till date, we've done more than 600 vehicles. These are, you know, different variety of applications, variety of different uh, customers and geographies. Uh, and the, the great part is that we have a huge amount of data now uh, to really understand how our drivelines perform and what needs to be tweaked and how the software works because... These six, seven hundred vehicles in total have driven more than a hundred million miles combined. Uh, so we do have a lot of this vast database to kind of work on to better uh, the technology and to better what we do going forward. You bought EMOS two years ago, right? Yeah. And where do you see EMOS going forward? Right. So what we have done is we've moved away from the traditional only retrofitting business with to more of the kits for the OEMs type of business, which is, I think, something that will develop more over the next years uh, as more and more OEMs want to have electric drivelines as an option for their customers. So that's something that we focus on. That's something that we will work on. India is a great big market for EMOS, which has not been touched till now. Just as we speak right now, we have our first bus that we retrofitted in India uh, coming out of the testing labs and will be on the roads very shortly. So we're very excited about that and this big market that we have. But I think if you ask me long term, five years, six years, few years from now, we would like to be an OEM ourselves. We would like to build entire electric vehicles by ourselves. That's the ultimate objective. Thank you, Karan, for coming on Mindful Businesses. It was a pleasure to have you talk about EMOS. Thank you so much, Vidya, for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're listening to Mindful Businesses with Vidya Ayer. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe and listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Remember to rate and review us. To learn more about this and our other episodes, check out our website, mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two on this episode, share it with one friend. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.